especially when you don't have that community support or family support you're just kind of trying to do it on your own you know and trying to jump through hoops to get the bare minimum of support you know and even right now that I'm sitting here I live alone and you know I'm trying to do everything by myself um but at the end of the day just knowing that I'm waking up the next day even if it's hard to do something each day just waking up and knowing I made it to another day is an achievement in itself you know Good morning, good afternoon, good evening everyone. You are listening to Don't Be Afraid to Talk podcast with James. If you are listening for the first time, you are welcome. Talking and listening is key for growth and I hope our stories will bring us together and we can draw inspiration from each other. Conversation will include topics such as mental and physical health, trauma and its effect, suicidal thoughts, recovery and well-being. We will continue to raise awareness and offer a different perspective a mindset or an idea that could inspire you to take charge of your well-being and to grow as a human being. Thank you for tuning in today. I am joined here today with Blessing. I am really excited about this conversation and I'm so happy that she's decided to share her story with me. So, Blessing, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. If you don't mind, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, that's cool. Um, So, my name's Blessing. I am 21 years old and I am currently a student in TUD Dublin studying youth and community development and I'm also a youth worker. Um, and then in between, I'm a content creator on social media and get involved with writing um, taking part on podcasts such as this. And then I am a mental health advocate and ambassador for Sea Change, Spun Out, uh, the Shona Project, and just busy doing anything related to mental health in between. Brilliant. This sounds like a busy life. <laughs> <laughs> Before, before we get going, I'm just going to do a, a little icebreaker, I call it. Yeah. It's called a One for One. I'll, I'll give you a word and you say the first thing that comes to your mind. Ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah? It's only five words, so don't worry. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> the first word is family. Uh, love. <laughs> Change. Um, miracles. <laughs> Religion. Uh, peace. Rejection. Pain. Freedom. Ooh, <laughs> it's not coming to my head real quick. Freedom. Um, <laughs> expressions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, no worries. That's... The last one caught me. I was like, I don't know what to say. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about yourself. You, you mentioned to me previously that you have a condition. Fibromyalgia. Am I pronouncing it correctly? Can you tell us a little bit about that, please? Um, so I suppose with fibromyalgia, um, I want to like emphasize that like it's something that I didn't have my whole life. Um, so the story behind my condition would be 
I was fit and healthy up until the age of 15 and I developed fibromyalgia. So basically fibromyalgia is a disorder in the central nerve system. And so you're basically, I'm in pain 24 seven. And a lot of people would like think of that and be like, oh, like I'm able to relate, but like, it's a different type of pain. You're like, you're in pain 24 seven. It affects your memory and your energy, your sleep. And it's just harder for people to kind of take you more seriously on the illness because on the outside, you know, you don't look sick, you don't look unwell. And I suppose people would only kind of understand how the condition plays out if they see you on your worst days. Like, you know, for me, for example, a lot of people would believe me because I was very active in sports um, up until the age of 15. So when I stopped, when I had to stop doing sports, people were kind of like, hmm. oh, this is serious because she can't play sports anymore. Um but yeah, at the moment, it's not recognized as a official disability in Ireland. So that's why I have a petition in my bio. And it's, it's, a, it's an illness that can be managed, but it's just very hard at the same time because, you know, people don't take you seriously. So healthcare professionals don't take you seriously. And obviously, when you can't be as active because you're in pain 24-7, um, Sometimes you can gain weight from medication, lack of exercise, and etc. So, like, sometimes you can even be discriminated on, like, your body image and your weight. And at the end of the day, people are not going to understand unless they have the condition themselves. And I get frustrated sometimes because I wish people can understand. And then other times I'm glad they don't understand because I don't want them to experience the pain in the first place. Um, yeah. So it's a chronic illness, it's not a mental illness, but historically it's been seen as like, oh, it's all in your head type of pain, because when you're trying to get a diagnosis, it doesn't come up on like blood tests or scans or anything. So that's why it's much more harder to get a diagnosis and get treatment. With that, because a lot of the time when people can't see anything, they always find it harder to understand. Mm -hmm. So with your condition do you find a lot of people saying like you mentioned a lot of people saying oh you're just making that up because they don't see it, it's hard to like if you explain it to someone they kind of be like um i don't know if i believe you <laughs> do you get it a lot um in my case maybe it's because like i was just so active like a lot of people knew i was so active so i wouldn't get it as much as other people but on the flip side when it comes to like being sick and being young at the same time obviously like all your friends are like in their early 20s late 20s and a lot of the things that you would usually do in your 20s I wouldn't be able to do um there's a lot of planning that I have to consider to just get to the basic level of functioning like another person I wouldn't really be into like spontaneous trips or etc because I always have to plan my energy and plan what I'm doing because if I overstep that boundary you have to know yeah, yeah if I overstep that boundary that's me gone for the week and you know people can end up in hospital when you're when you're tired so much it's not even tired it's fatigue and it just affects your immune system so much and yeah you know it's just about taking care of yourself but obviously when you're young people find it hard to understand because you get comments like you know you're too young to be sick 
you're too young to be doing this and that. Um, you're too young to be using a cane because yeah. I have a walking cane. Um, so it's just trying to reduce the stigma that a lot of illnesses that would be considered like for elderly people, like, yeah, young people can have it as well. Like, you know, juvenile arthritis, um, a lot of chronic illnesses. And I'm very proud of our generation <laughs> speaking up more about these types of things. Um, but yeah. That's what we need, more people speaking. And would you spend a lot of your time, not a lot of your time, like, would you be in the hospital a bit more than you want to be in, if you like? Oh, yeah. Like, especially on social media, people think, yeah. like, I'm so busy 24-7. And I'm like, I am, but they have to think, like, I'm able to do things because, you know, I'm doing it from a laptop, but I'm resting in bed at the same time, you know? Um, okay. So, yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> And do you think because with a condition that has a lot, that has a stigma around it and people can't see it, do you think that would drive you like to depression? Oh, yes. Um, You know, I always try and be careful when I'm talking about chronic illnesses because with fibromyalgia, historically, it was seen as like a mental illness, even though it wasn't now. So with chronic illness, obviously, like when you're sick, Mm. it can lead to mental illnesses such as anxiety and depression because when you're sick you have to advocate for yourself 24 7 and you know you're fighting with doctors to you know believe you and to treat you equally and then when you're black on top of it you're fighting against medical racism and then when you're female you're fighting against medical gaslighting being told you know you're too emotional for a woman or black people have a higher pain tolerance. Like I still can't believe people actually still believe that, which is very untrue. Um, so you're fighting within the intersectionalities of the identities that I have. And it's just, it can be exhausting, but I have found a community online that is able to relate to the struggles that I have. And we're able to exchange tips and advice of what to do and how to look at our out for ourselves um but yeah it can definitely lead to depression which is why i have anyway <laughs> not just based on fibromyalgia based on other things <laughs> when you go and see the doctor like do they kind of you think they like they brush you off as in you're probably making this up yeah like sometimes especially when when it comes to chronic illnesses it's always just a, a trial and error kind of tests like you just have to use the medication that they give you, see if it works. And then if it doesn't work, mm. you have to keep changing and changing and then change the different treatments that they offer you. And sometimes when you're seeing a doctor, it might not always be the same doctor that you're seeing. So it's always just having to explain yourself to a new doctor time and time again. And people keep forgetting that like medication can make you gain weight sometimes. So that's another issue on top of it because... They start saying things like, oh, if you lose weight, the pain will go away. And it's kind of like, you know, that's being fat phobic. Not everyone who is fat or gaining weight is unhealthy, just as not everyone who is skinny is healthy, you know. Um, But it's it's especially hard as a woman because you're just told that you're too sensitive and emotional and etc. Which is, you know, just gaslighting in itself. (laughs) Yeah, like, are you are you not just being too emotional? Because the pain does make you emotional. Yeah, it would. Like, if, if I was in that much pain, the way you describe it, 
I think I would be quite emotional myself <laughs> a bit more. And uh, in relation to depression, have you seen a um, psychiatrist? Um, so my first time, it was it was very bumpy, to be honest. Um, my first time getting treatment for depression was September of 2019. Um, and I saw Pieta House. And I was there from September 2019 to January of 2020. And then April of 2020 to July of 2020. And... You know, in in the meantime, I was doing like mental health courses, like the Eden program with Suicide or Survive. Um, but mm. before all that, I did go to my GP doctor because that's your first point of contact when you're trying to get help. And unfortunately, I didn't get a lot of help with him, and I had to change over. But luckily, I'm with a new GP doctor at the moment, and she's prescribed me medication yeah. and referred me on to, um community health services uh, for my mental health and then fast forward to now I have a psychologist and a therapist and a psychiatrist basically a mental health team <laughs> whole team around you and how, how was your experience with Pierre House they have a really good reputation so how did you it was it was okay Um, my first time approaching I was very hesitant because I had a lot of trauma in my life, especially with people in authority who you were supposed to trust and they broke your trust. So I was going into Pieta House with my guard up very high and the therapist that I saw was a man as well. So I was kind of like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? But he turned out to be very understanding, very nice and really listened to what I had to say and to try and work through my circumstances because you know I'm, I'm trying to go there for treatment but my circumstances at the time was just not great so it's kind of like it's kind of like you know you're going for a shower but you're putting on the same dirty clothes each day so I was going to therapy but I was going back to the same environment that was making me go to therapy so he understood that and was very okay very um yeah very empathetic so that was my experience with Pieta House. And I went back twice and I saw him twice. Are you still going back to Pieta House or are you going somewhere else now? Oh, no, I finished Pieta House like last year. Just my first time of going to Pieta House. It was from September of 2019 to January of 2020. So that was the time limit I was with Pieta House. And then I went back again last year of April of 2020 to July mm. of 2020. So I think I was with Pieta House altogether five months i'm really bad with maths i think five to eight months anyway <laughs> but yeah they were very helpful especially when you don't have money at the time that helped yeah that always helps that always helps and you mentioned um there was a lot of trust issue is that from your previous experience with dealing with doctors or previous experience dealing with everything around your life everything um let's just say <laughs> Let's just say any type of scenario or circumstances that you can think of right now, I have gone through it and I wish I wasn't exaggerating because I'm even looking at God being like, what are you doing with my life at the moment? Um, <laughs> but yeah, like every type of scenario that you can think of, like I say this to people all the time and they're like, really? And then I give them an example and they're kind of like, 
how is this happening to you? And I'm like, I don't know. But I try and keep going. But it does test you sometimes. It's still happening now anyway. <laughs> You're navigating through it, which is good. Um, Like I did in the beginning. And w- with depression, did that come from having your condition or was that prior to like was the depression already there and the condition just came after so i suppose with struggling with your mental health and especially with depression i would say i've been struggling with it since i was probably since the age of five years old but i didn't really come to terms of the name for it until i was between the ages of i think 12 and 14 but yeah it's been my whole life basically but obviously it's wasn't as bad as it is back then as it is right now and it just kind of gradually got worse you know and I think just due to a lack of intervention and that was the biggest cause. Do you think there's probably a lot of trauma involved from young age do you think that played that played a part on on your depression and etc? Um, it definitely, it definitely does because, you know, especially as a kid, your brain is just so fragile because it's just always developing and, you know, the environment that you're brought up in kind of sets you for life. Obviously you can change, um, you can change the way you are at a certain age, but, you know, a child should have, always have a safe environment to grow and develop. And unfortunately, I just didn't have that. I grew up in domestic violence. And so that was my circumstances throughout my whole life. And a lack of intervention from, you know, the Gardaí, from the school, from health professionals, you know, that was kind of what played into it. And eventually, as I got older, I tried to get the help myself for my family. And then I was just being let down left right and center and then obviously when you have depression as a black person it's kind of like you know we're struggling but pray to god you've got this and i'm like yeah i can pray to god but you can put actions behind your prayers by getting help you know (laughs) which is why i like to keep referring myself to christians and anyone of religious backgrounds that god can work through people and medication and any type of help that's out there is not there for no reason, you know? Certainly, yeah. <laughs> and do you, do you have a big family or do you have like a, a small family? Um, I would say small. Like there's six of us all together. Sometimes I would say five because I don't count my dad. <laughs> but yeah, there's six of us all together. Okay. <laughs> I'm guessing words like depression or mental health was not mentioned at home. Oh no, like, I think you'd know yourself, like, if you're struggling with your mental health as a black person, it's seen as, like, rot, there's demons, like, you're possessed, like, pray harder, and throwing anointing oil on you and everything, (laughs) (laughs) and bringing you to, like, African church and getting the pastor to pray to you, and you're just looking (laughs) at him being like, sir, you don't know your Bible, like, (laughs) you know, um... But yeah, it was. I tried to bring it up in my household. Um, yeah, I think I just risk, risked it. And sometimes it just doesn't play out as as well as it should have. But, you know, at the, at the moment right now, they all know my activism-ish 
So they can't really say anything because I'm not going to stop. <laughs> you know, it's very hard to try and break the generational trauma. But if it helps someone else, then that's all that matters. Yeah, someone has to. Someone has to start. And it, it takes a lot of work. Maybe that's why you're feeling all, feeling all the pain because you, you're trying to go against what was there. <laughs> With our culture, there is a lot of, uh, when it comes to things like depression and mental health, there's even a bigger stigma around it. That's probably because the upbringing the parents would have had is different to the ones that we had. So what they consider as mental health is not really, they, they don't see it as a problem. This is based on their understanding of it. Yeah, exactly. You kind of repeat what you know. So for them, when they're growing up, mental health was not a thing. So when all of a sudden you start talking about it and they're like, that's all in your head. Exactly. Are you close with your mother? Uh, we d- There's nothing bad going on between us. Just the I guess the easiest way is you and many strangers would know yeah. more about me than my own mother. And that's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, probably because she doesn't understand what it is and could be finding it difficult to understand, probably. That could be a case. Yeah, she's she's learning. She just doesn't know. Um, and I guess it's almost hypocritical in itself of, oh, let's talk about mental health awareness. And then she doesn't really know the activism. That she knows, but she doesn't know the extent of it. Um, so she knows I talk about like mental health awareness, but but she doesn't know, like the whole mm. podcast, the writing, how yeah, how deep it is. <laughs> is that because uh, you're not sharing with her, or you just don't think that she she wants to know? Um, it's not like I don't want them to know. Like she'll eventually find out because you know there's times where she catches me in the newspaper and she's kind of like, "What's this about?" And I'm like. <laughs> Um, what have you done? Awareness. Um, so like if she, <laughs> so like there'll be times where she does find out what I'm doing. I guess what I'm trying to do is trying to protect myself in a way because the situation isn't hasn't been um what's the word healthy sorted at the moment. So yeah, it's like the circumstances that she's living in at the moment and the state of my mental health and my siblings hasn't been sorted or yeah so it's just kind of like trying to do the activism but trying to do it in a way where I don't cause or inflict further damage even though there isn't any damage doing happening but yeah. it's just like yeah. on their side it's kind of like keep on the down low type of thing you know and what made you get into youth working is that because cause often what happens is people get involved with things that affect them in life is that mm. what made you get into youth work um <laughs> is that because of your background you wanted to help more people or a little bit like every time i tell people um i'm a youth worker they're like you're so smart you can be a doctor you can be a nurse and i'm like yeah but i'd rather work with young people because you know, with my upbringing, even though I went through a lot of trauma, I feel like the pain could have been a little less impactful if I had a youth worker from a very young age. And, you know, society is made up of many young people and young people are mm. the today of the tomorrow. 
And if you just invest in their, you know, their mental health and their well-being and their development, you know, it's just important to try and be the change that you want to see and starting that with young people and letting them know that they're not alone in any of the struggles that they're going through because there's so many changes that happens when you're transitioning from childhood to teenage years. And then the other part of it was, I guess, just trying to bring representation. Um, yeah. And it's not about like, oh, there's no black youth workers. I don't like youth workers because they're not black. But I guess the other part of it is kind of bringing representation in different sectors of Ireland. So, you know, things like racism, you know, young people would be able to see themselves in different areas of Ireland and in youth work, especially, um, you know, being able to stand up and speak on the behalf of ethnic minority young people in Ireland against racism and anything that affects marginalized communities. And yeah, like, I guess just representation and inclusiveness and bridging the gap between, you know, white Irish community and black Irish communities. And that's really it. <laughs> Helping the eight-year-old blessing that's out there somewhere, basically. Yeah. So in 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 a way, you are helping your inner child. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's just like I don't want any young person. You're doing the work that you wish you had. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And how many how many years do you have left? I have three years left. Um, on the college course, so <laughs> it's hard trying to manage being a youth worker and then studying youth work at the same time. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I just finished first year, so you know you're not really okay. It's it's very unlikely that a lot of people would be starting a job, a degree job before their degree is finished. <laughs> so I'm just always trying to upskill myself and learn more. You know, at the end of the day, a lot of people can get degrees in any area that they want. You know, it's all about the lived yeah, experiences. Yeah. I think the lived experience and um, that can shape whatever area that you're in. Yeah, you mentioned the Eden program earlier on. With was that with Suicide Aware? Was it? Uh, with Suicide or Survive? The Eden program you did. Who was that with? Sorry, they're with Suicide or Survive. So they're a, a mental health organization that would have a lot of... Okay, Suicide or Survive, sorry. Oh, no worries. They would have like different programs and workshops um, with their organization. So I was with the Eden program from January of 2020 to July of 2020 last year. So it's a six-month program. Um, yeah, educational program with other people. So it's a group. I'm guessing you learned a lot from that. Like some of the stuff you learned from that, do you take that on now to teach people? What the what does um, Eden program? It was a mixture of an educational program, so it wasn't really like a therapeutic program. So anyone on the program had to have like a therapist or a counselor on the side to refer back to, just to like enhance their learning and just the things that they learned on the course. Okay. So I, I learned a lot of things like having toolboxes to how to like manage my stress or manage thing, stressful situations such as, you know, if I'm about to go into like a panic attack <laughs> or, you know, trying to yeah. have a, 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 <laughs> a, a self-care like yeah, self day or something throughout the week. 
Um, and then just learning about different types of mental illnesses and different types of reactions and how to yeah it was it was it was very i'm glad i got to experience it before the pandemic anyway <laughs> yeah i think they still do it if they do it's probably online now anyways yeah growing up did you did you have someone to speak to it was very very limited like when you are a child brought up in an environment of domestic violence um usually the abuser separates you from everyone else um so i just have my family in ireland i have no aunties or uncles or anybody and i don't even know who they are or what they look like so i probably might never (laughs) know um and even then just the impact it has on your mental health you know even if you are trying to interact with other people you just have trust issues but like when I was younger, even though I had like trust issues, I still tried yeah. to interact and try to talk to somebody. But that trust was always um, mishandled in the end. And it just kept happening again and again and again to the point where you just kind of kept to yourself. But like even now, like I, I still keep trying and it's just like <laughs> it just still keeps happening for a reason. But there has been a lot of people on that journey that have tried so i do kind of try and cling on to them <laughs> you know but at the end of the day like all of us we aren't perfect people and we're all gonna hurt somebody at some time so a lot of it has been unintentional but those who were in place of authority and um, that was the most painful because you know you're supposed to look after the welfare of a child and it didn't happen you know um so that's where I was just failed as a kid. And yeah, that's just why I wanted to become a youth worker as well. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it led you to what you're doing now, which is great. And do you, do you have someone to speak to now? Um, yeah, I have like a mental health team and I've never really had friends growing up. So even at the moment, I don't have like a set group of friends. I'm just always on my own and friends with like different random strangers and people so I think that's just how my life is just gonna be you know I always used to envy people who would, who would have like a friend group and I'll be looking at them being like you know how do they have a friend group and I don't and I just keep trying so hard and I was just always that person that would be last minute or backup or etc like I wasn't that person that people would be like, hey, do you want to hang out? This, that, this, that. I was always the person yeah. initiating. Um, so I actually talked about it on my Instagram page today, just how, you know, strangers look out for other people more than the people that actually know you. And I just find that so true. Just the past year, strangers have just been very supportive with like support online or even just talking to you on social media or even just doing random things for you. It's just like, someone sent me flowers today and I was like, I don't even know you, you know? And they sent it to me because I was struggling really badly. Do you know that person? Not like, not in person, you know? And they sent me flowers because a lot of things were happening this week and I was struggling really badly with my mental health. Um, You know, with, with my circumstances, like basically I got out of homelessness in, October of 2020 just gone so it's been very rocky trying to recover out of homelessness especially 
being young and then being sick and then a pandemic on top of it and then now living alone it's like there's a lot you know there's a lot that I don't speak on social media but I'm glad people don't make me feel like I have to over explain myself for them to understand that was a lot I'm sorry <laughs> there's a lot of people out there that want to help you know there's a lot of people I know when you talk about mental health, obviously, for the person that's going through that, it always seems like you're alone. But there's so many, there's so many nice people out there that would do something for you. That like someone sending you flowers, just I cried. That's amazing, you know. Just small things like that can make someone's day, especially when you when you go through times when you think like it's too much, and then just to get yeah, that response from like, strangers, wow. so. <laughs> oh, no it's I grand like I no I don't expect people to do that <laughs> and uh, <laughs> now you're like I'm under pressure <laughs> yeah it's like, I better, I'm gonna do something soon <laughs> and uh, sorry what other organization did you work with you mentioned three there I think who, who do you do the writing for oh I do a lot of writing for a lot of people so it's not like set on any organization um but the set organizations that i do work with are sea change spun out sea change spun out the shona project lust for life and something else i can't remember but they would be the four set organizations that i work with and then the other organizations would be kind of like once-off projects or like here and yeah. there but the four i just mentioned would be like the consistent ones that i'm in like permanently <laughs> and when when you're involved with that many organization current times current culture a lot of people are afraid of what to say especially when you're talking mental health do you find yourself kind of thinking oh i can't say that because someone might be upset it's like, I'm trying not to laugh because this actually happens this week. Um, I used to be very, very shy. <laughs> I used to be very shy growing up. But like right now, I it's not like I don't care about what other people think. But I would always know that I do a lot of things out of true intentions. So if someone takes it the wrong way, it's kind of like, you know, you have to question. Are yeah. you taking the post the wrong way or you know um hmm. but with current times uh i've seen a rise of activists in many areas like you know for climate change awareness and mental yeah. health and chronic illness and etc um and i think with that has happened due to the pandemic so for me personally i've been an activist for many years so i've been used to this type of experience of what to do in these situations and how to manage trolls and social media and that type of stuff i don't really get that many and um, but when i do i'm not really like too phased about it so if anyone is new in that okay. area they would feel it more yeah. than i would and um, but i think we're like the rise of Black Lives Matter and the awareness of racism last year, it was very hard, <laughs> I won't lie, because 
a lot of the people that follow me on social media, I would be there. Hold, holding yourself back. <laughs> um, I try not to because a lot of the people that follow me on social media, I would be <laughs> like the only black person or the black interaction that they have in their whole life. So it's kind of like, <laughs> okay, if, if I'm the only black person that they know, <laughs> then they have to learn something from me that they won't see from anywhere else, you know? Um, so I know it's not my job to educate everybody. Yeah. Education is a personal responsibility, but I do feel that pressure sometimes that knowing that there's people that don't interact with other ethnic minority communities, it's like, okay, let me just try <laughs> and speak from my own experiences because I'm speaking for, you know, not speaking as in like something that I'm saying the black community agrees with it, but like speaking from my own experiences, you know, something that doesn't affect them, it shouldn't matter to me yeah. if it offends them or not, you know. Um, not that I post a lot of offensive things anyway, but, you know, <laughs> some people interpret it differently. People are easily offended now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and people are easily offended now. When you talk racism as well, that's another subject where, like mental health, where like a lot of education needs to be done around it. And when you're not mm. affected by it, it's always difficult. Um, well, not difficult. Some pe- mm-hmm. like you appreciate people that want to learn, and I suppose it's just how the person asks the question: like, are they trying to learn something, or are they just trying to argue something that you're saying? Oh yeah, like that's why I love the word intersectionality because a lot of things just aren't separate on its own. So for me, when I talk about racism. I, w- I would call myself a mental health advocate. I wouldn't say I'm an anti-racism educator. But when I do talk about racism, I talk about it from like a mental health perspective because that's what my account is for. Because um, like we all know that men- racism affects your mental health. Um, mm. So there's no getting away from it, really. It's just cracking down on the topic. And if it makes you uncomfortable, then you have to question why are you centering yourself on a topic that's not about you, you know? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you ever feel like, I think I asked you this earlier on, do you ever feel like, you know, when you're going through so much, you feel like, why all this happening to me? Like, because you seem to be doing so much. Ooh, this happened this week as well. <laughs> yeah, what happened this week? <laughs> Thank you. Um... Oh, no, you're going to make me cry. No, go on. <laughs> um, it's just like, <laughs> it's just like sometimes, like, especially when you're struggling with your mental health. Um, and I know I keep mentioning mental health, but like there's different mental illnesses. So there is, I don't just have anxiety and depression. I have other mental illnesses. I just don't talk about them because I'm not ready to yet. But a lot of people, unless you, unless you're struggling, for example, with depression, they don't understand how much energy it takes for you to even wake up and shower and look after yourself. Um, And it just takes so much energy because it drains you. So when people see me do my activism, you know, they just look at me and be like, do you really have mental illnesses? Like you're doing so much. And it's kind of like, you don't, I I talk Mm. about a lot of things on social media, but everything not everything is out there, you know? So it just looks like there's a lot, but there isn't. And 
you know, at the moment, I feel very exhausted sometimes. And I know the common sense would be like, you know, take a break from the work and etc, etc. But I know, for me personally, I'm just a very empathetic person. And I just don't like to see people in pain. And so I do try and keep going even though I'm, I'm tired, but at the end of the day, I, ho- it's, it's, I hope it's worth it because meeting people like you and other strangers and knowing that there's other people that understand what you're going through is what makes me want to keep going in life and makes me want to do what I'm doing. Um, and this week I did have a, a little backlash and it hurt a yeah. lot because it came... Um, <laughs> Ooh, like <laughs> I, the way I was gonna describe it, I was like, "Should I? Should I not?" I'm just gonna say it. It just came from. <laughs> it just hurt a little bit because I'm a Christian myself, and the person I was talking to was a Christian, and in the Christian community, sometimes we don't understand why God allows us to go through different types of struggles, and sometimes we don't understand why people react to it in different ways so the way I react is I tend to overwork myself because I feel like I have to prove to be somebody to somebody and then other people shut down and they don't do anything and the two struggles are very valid but I suppose the outcome of that was you know it looked like I was comfortable in being in pain on purpose and attention seeking and etc and I was just like that is not it at all you know and this is why there's a very big religious stigma when it comes to mental health and you know at the end of the day we're all human we live in a broken world we live in you know a world where like many things happen and we react to them but at the end of the day yeah we should uplift each other in love and support and community and listening, you know, because you never know. You never know, like, what you say might be that string to that, like, break point, breaking point for somebody, you know. Yeah. So it's always yeah. just trying to approach somebody in empathy and, and compassion. Um, but yeah. Like, I think we saw reactive (laughs) everyone we are so reactive um even when we talk about religion is religion and racism and mental health i think a lot of that is because people are just not listening to each other and i think so in a way i think people are just make there's too much noise being made and Mm. less listening it's everyone's trying to shout on top of each other and Mm, like you don't have to like understand what they're going through you can just understand to know that you're there for them yeah yeah and, and i think how yeah simple it is really even even just talking to someone and um, like you don't have to have the answers you can just listen not say anything which is very hard to do <laughs> which is very hard to do like when especially when you mm-hmm. talk in in terms of religion racism or mental health you know and uh, people almost feel like they have to say something but sometimes you don't have to, you just have to listen. Mm. Listening goes a long way. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why it's important to um, 
to keep talking because you can find all the information online that you want these days. But honestly, talking to people, you're not really going to... You can only learn so much online. But when you speak to people, you get the experience. In the Christian community, I haven't been around that circle in a very long time. That's okay. There's <laughs> still a lot of stigma around mental illness. Like, you obviously don't talk to people in that community about your mental illness, or do you? They They follow me on social media, but in the circle... I don't unless it comes up and I'm very cautious and picky who I talk to mental illnesses about and it's very sad that I have to do that but I do find that obviously prayer and worship and community is so important and can be healing in itself but at the same time you know if it gets to the point where you are weaponized for you know looking like the weak christian or weak in your faith or etc because of mental illnesses that's where the line drops draws for me i'm like we're not god we're not jesus we're human and in a community that's supposed to you know reach out to other people in the world and care about social justice issues yeah, embody uh, yeah. goodness and love you know yeah um you know a community is supposed to be passionate it's like why do you have a stigma when you're (laughs) (laughs) that's why my activism can be a a little bit political it's a little bit political for a a very good reason you know like at the end of the day you can talk to people oh (laughs) jeez you know i I won't get into politics oh no like for me you can talk to people and (laughs) etc but you know things like housing needs and the food needs and medication needs like a lot of things are political unfortunately and if someone's homeless for example i was homeless and you can do all the talking that you can but you know if we all come together to bring about change in social justice issues in society that can also help people's mental health and which is why which is why my activism it's not it's not always political but i would swing yeah. towards more that area you know to put actions behind my words um rather than just listen to people i would listen to people and try and work on the needs that they need to get better you know affordable mental health and affordable medication affordable housing yeah, affordable yeah. food mm-hmm. and etc you know <laughs> yeah definitely and because you because you're involved with so many things like when you're talking to different groups you can only say certain things because they might not understand what you're talking about so do you find that you you're not really expressing yourself or do you get to do that with the different groups that i'm in i would have an idea of what they're like before i join them so for example with spun out it's very open and diverse and inclusive so obviously the the bare minimum would be respecting each other but when it comes to like different opinions and perspectives it's very open and very flexible and because at the end of the day it's just about educating each other on different realities that's not yeah like only yours you know um but i guess maybe in other groups like I'm trying to think of one because I'm very flexible in all of them. I suppose maybe like the ch- the church setting. 
<laughs> here we go with this again. I suppose with the church setting, it can be a little bit different when it comes to trying to be open. Yeah. But, you know, overall, I'm very flexible and open in many different yes. areas. In different ways, yeah. Do you, do you have a favorite verse from the Bible? My favorite verse from the Bible would be, do not let your hearts be burdened, trust in God, John 14, John 14, 1? Yes, John 14, 1. And then, loved beyond measures, Ephesians, it's on my arm. Okay. (laughs) Loved beyond measures, Ephesians 3, 16. (laughs) It's like, oh yeah, I have that, yeah. (laughs) But yeah. They would be my two favorite. <laughs> they would be my two favorite Bible verses. Yeah. Maybe that's why you're going through so many. And then my favorite song would be. Your favorite religious song or a pop song? Um, a religious song. So it would be "Shoulders" by Kings and Country. Is that like a new it's, band? It's I haven't been in touch with bands in a long time. <laughs> I Google them. Um, they're not a new band. They, yeah, you would love the song "Shoulders." I listen to it all the time. I've been listening to it since I was like 16. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it brings you back to a certain place, does it? When you hear a song. Mm. Yeah, it brings you back to like, oh, I remember that time. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, there's some Bible verse to read tonight. Awesome. But they do, they do say in the Bible, they do say that, well, people that go through so many, well, not in those, not in my words, but from what I understand is people that go through so much and what the world considers as bad things happening to them tend to be, there's a reason for that. You know, nothing's happening for, everything's happening for a reason. Mm. And it's easy to say when it's not happening to you because you're kind of like, why why me? Mm. But there's, there's a reason behind things happen to people. And I think, we're just focusing on a bad. We're not saying like this is happening to me because because something else is going to happen that's great. You know, and I think it's like when you're looking for something that you're not getting, you're not getting it because you're not ready for it. Mm. Like everyone wants a lot of good things, but if you get it before you're ready for it, you're probably going to mess it up. <laughs> or if you you get it, you don't value it, you're going to mess it up. Well, if you go through so much, you value everything. You value people more because you've seen the bad side of people and you've seen the good side of people. And if you didn't have that base, if you like, you're probably not going to value it. Well, you, you still value people, but if you don't have the struggle in you, if you don't have the pain in you, it could be a... I wouldn't say disadvantage, but people that tend to have more pain in them seem to relate to more people. I think so anyway. Definitely. I think so. Oh no, you're right. So maybe <laughs> when you think when you think why when you think when you think why me, just know there's there's a, a greater thing at play. Hopefully Even anyway. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like hopefully. Definitely me too. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully yeah no but um yeah i think that's a a lot of what i had last question well one of my last questions do you ever feel guilty 
like guilty of struggling. Sorry, guilt guilt is the wrong word. Shame. Shame of uh, shame of the past and things that happened to you. Do you ever feel that, or is that something that you've felt and you've processed, or is it something that you're still working on? It's something that I think I'd still be working on. I wouldn't be necessarily be yeah. ashamed of the things that happened in the past because I didn't cause them. But I think I would be ashamed okay. of the way I would be struggling <laughs> at the moment because it's been a long life. Well, long as in like I'm only 21, but like it just yeah, seems Jesus. very yeah. long. It's just always like, when is the pain? <laughs> when is the pain going to stop? And then sometimes I feel shame because it's like, you know, am I doing everything right to help myself or am I doing anything wrong? that's making the whole situation stay the way that it is um and then like being a christian as well it's like am i complaining too much am i praying hard enough am i going to church enough mm. do i believe in him too much so it would be that would be like the religious shame and then i think shame in general as yeah just maybe from like other people and i try not to let what other people say to me because at the end of the day if they were to able to walk my shoes right now, they would have given up like a few years ago. And I don't mean to say that in like a boastful way, but it's just like even right now, I'm like trying very hard not to give up, you know? Yeah. Um, but shame can be, it can be a very difficult feeling to process because only you can feel that, you know, you can share the struggle you can share the experience with someone else, but like ultimately it's just you that's feeling it. Um, and the way that I try to overcome it is going to places where you are celebrated and not just tolerated. And that would just be my message to anyone that struggles with shame. Yeah, that's a great message there. <laughs> and um, final three questions. I'll start again. Sorry, what are you proud of? Um, with that question, a lot of people would think of like the biggest achievements that they've had in their life, whether it's like winning an award or etc. For me, it would be being proud that I am alive right now, and that's really it. Because there was many times, um, trigger mm. warning. <laughs> there was many times I I have had, um a few not a few but like one or two suicide attempts you know um times where i just didn't want to be here anymore because there's just okay. been it's just too much sometimes and you know going back to what i was saying to you earlier on like literally when i say i've been through every scenario that you can think of right now upset war upset war i've been through every type of scenario sometimes it's just like too much especially when you don't have that community support or family support you're just kind of trying to do it on your own you know and trying to jump through hoops to get the bare minimum of support you know and even right now that i'm sitting here mm. i live alone and you know i'm trying to do everything by myself um but at the end of the day just knowing that i'm waking up the next day 
even if it's hard to do something each day, just waking up and knowing I made it to another day is an achievement in itself, you know? Um, so you don't have to do anything fancy or glamorous for people to be proud of you. I'm just proud of people who are going through a rough time and they want to give up, but they're waking up each day, breathing, and yeah, it's a massive achievement. You know, life is short, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that would be my achievement. <laughs> it is. But, uh, my last question is, what's your why? Why Why do you do what you do? You probably covered it, but I just want to know what's your why. Sometimes I struggle with what's my why, <laughs> you know? Sometimes I struggle with, like, what's my purpose? And <laughs> <laughs> I think there really isn't any massive why. I think it's just being the change that you want to see in society and letting people know that they are loved and they're here for a reason. Um, Because not everyone has a family or friends or community to be able to lean on to for help. A lot of people are living alone or going through lonely experiences. Um, So if anyone's like listening to this, just know that like they're seen and loved and if they believe in God, that God sees them. It doesn't matter your faith background anyway. <laughs> it's just, yeah, we all have a purpose. Sometimes it takes a long time for us to find out what it is. But at the end of the day, it's, it's there somewhere, you know. Um, and we're all here for a reason. Even if we don't feel like that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> You're only 21. Yeah. Yeah, no, every, every life is here to serve a purpose. You're only 21, so that's only, that's nothing. But age 40, Moses was still a prince. Oh. Yeah, so long, <laughs> under 21, you are helping people. Uh, I, I, I try my best, you know. It's not about me at the end of the day, you know. Thank you for a great conversation. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It was really enjoyable. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a quick review on my Facebook page, Don't Be Afraid to Talk, or DM me on Instagram. The show notes will include all of the relevant links from today's episode. If you haven't already, please download, leave a rating, and share with your friends you might just reach that person who needs to hear this message. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. I am James Lumumba, signing off with gratitude.